0: Love Talk Radio I have an emergency. What is your location?
1: For your
0: soul. Amen. Good morning. Yes, indeed, the word goes on deeper than you might think. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this very beautiful day. Thank you for sunshine. Thank you that the uh, world, the creation still continues to testify of your greatness, of your wonder, of your power, of your infinite presence with us, Lord God, that we are not alone. We're not forsaken. And I thank you, Jesus, for that peace that you've given us, that revelation of who you are into our very lives, into our hearts, minds, and understanding that we can walk, that we can stand, and having done all to stand, that we can walk without fear, that we can know that we're loved, that we can know that you are working on behalf of us. You understand you suffer with us. Lord God, you see and understand the snares and the traps that Satan has set before us and, and caught us in. So, Father, today I pray that you would give us truly eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to know and understand the revelation of truth, because you said you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So I pray that we would be willing to accept the truth and not stand in our traditions and in our lies that look like truth, the familiar spirits that have taught us so many things that are wrong, that we would be deprogrammed today by the revelation of your truth, by the power of your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Jesus, that you finish the work. You finished it on Calvary when you died, when you shed every drop of blood, and you brought us to the place of newness of life and freedom, resurrection from the dead, deliverance from the slavery of the evil one. So today I praise you and thank you, Lord, that you've also promised us that in this battle, in this war, that you would never leave us or forsake us, that you'd always be with us and that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Lord God, this is the promise. This is the faith that we walk in. This is what we follow. We follow you and your word, your promises. So, Lord, I pray that. Every weapon that's formed against us, anything, any word, said, deed, done, thought, misperception, misunderstanding, uh, programming would be brought to naught. That anything the devil tries to do through word or deed or action would, would fall to the ground and bring forth no fruit. Father God, that you protect us, our families, those who work for us and pray for us and love us, cover and keep us all in our words and conversations in our relationships with each other, with you, that we would rightly divide your holy word of truth and walk in your truth. Father, I thank you for protecting our health and delivering us from evil, the evil one who has set these snares and traps of cravings for us. So today, Father, as we talk about cravings, I pray that you'd give us understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today we're talking about cravings.
1: Cravings. Well, you have recently written a wonderful book called Cravings, What Do I Do? Why do I do? Why do I do? <laughs> why? <laughs> well, sometimes they think, what do I do? Yes. But why do I do what I don't want to do? That is a seem like a common, common problem. Oh, and you've addressed yeah. this uh, from a variety of aspects, the, the spiritual, of course, first, physical, mm-hmm. emotional, uh, moral yeah. aspects also. So um, we're going to just dive right into this today.
0: OK, yeah. So
1: first of all, Margie, what? Exactly. Is a craving. Now, I, I looked in the dictionary In mm-hmm. the dictionary, basically this the summary definition would be it means eager or intense longings or desires.
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Cra- cravings is uh, can be it's an intense desire to do something or to get rid of something or to stop doing something or to change something. I think change is a big trap. You know, we try to change our lives, change ourselves. Quit doing this. Stop eating that. You know, get rid of this addiction. Back, at cravings is a lot about um, food and addictions. And the first half and the second half is kind of like uh, a comment on the on the way we manage those things today. Well,
1: we have. We always. Have, we all have natural desires. You know, for food and water, um, relationships, significance. And Mm -hmm. and out of those arise, there's you know motivation, our motives, our habits, uh, our lifestyle come come out of these desires.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're energized to do things. Well, you know, in the cravings, really, what we're talking about is people who are stuck in a rut. They're trying to quit what they can't stop, and you can apply almost any subject matter to that. Trying to quit eating something, or or lose weight, or go on a diet, trying to quit what they can't seem to stop is whether it's to, you know, I'm trying to quit going on a diet so I can lose five pounds or trying to, you know, but you, you know, you go on for a while and then you fail fall off the wagon, so to speak. And so then we come up with this kind of fatalistic conclusion that um, why try, you know, we get on that cycle of failure and nothing's ever going to change. And that's exactly where the devil wants us to stay spinning our spiritual wheels so that we never, Really get out of the actual, this is the sideshow of life, but Satan has got us trapped in this effort to, uh, you know, get rid of something, be good, uh, you know, we're stuck in that miserable place of condemnation, you know, angry kind of, we, we become futile, fruitless, upset. Our life goes, we become consumed, actually, by trying to quit what we can't stop and never get around to doing what Jesus said to do. Well,
1: a, a craving, I think you've defined it in your book as a craving is anything that controls us. You know, there's a desire that controls us. Sometimes we think cravings just simply has to do with addiction, you know, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, tobacco addiction, that sort of things. And you can say, well, I don't have issues with that. But there this goes much deeper than you know what we think of as those conventional uh, addictions,
0: well, right, we understand you know the word control is very interesting, and things that control us that means that means we're being made to do something, forced to do something, intimidated to do something, afraid if we don't do something, and this is the kind of control that Satan puts on us mentally, emotionally, physically. Uh, because we're very vulnerable in many ways, our bodies are vulnerable to needing food and air and, and, and water and, and love and meaning and purpose. And so in any place where we, there can be a lack or a vacuum set up, Satan can use it as a way to begin to control us. Um, so, go ahead.
1: So what it seems like there are legitimate desires that we have, like we talked about food, water, uh, love, relationships, right. all that. We have legitimate desires, mm-hmm. but then sometimes these some of these desires become obsessions. Uh, these desires yeah. be, are becoming unfulfilled. In other words, we try to uh, attempt to fill our lives with something that won't fill us.
0: Right. And so, yeah, <laughs> you know, the whole thing, the whole spiritual battle for our souls, for our lives, for the world, for domination, Satan's desire to be God and to control us, uh, and then probably with that opportunity to to annihilate us, to remove us from the scene. Um, but the word control, you know, means to manipulate or to intimidate, manipulate, and try to get someone or something to do what you want them or it to do. It, but it, you know, in a in a typical definition, c- control has to do with you know, um, you know, we can control our machines. We have operating panels. We have we have programming that controls things. We, it, it, it helps us to limit, restrain, or operate, manage, uh, exercise power or authority over something or someone else. So it's like the ability to run something, to operate it. And this is what Satan is trying to do. He's trying to get, uh, get us in a corner, teach us that we have no options except to do what he wants, and then get us to believe that it was our choice to, to choose those options, and then get us to accept the guilt that we're responsible for taking those options, when in fact it's all been a huge uh, intimidation that he has played with in our minds and hearts, to get to be able to lord it over us, uh, to control us. And that's a lot of what the evil spirits do in people's lives. I think a lot of people, when they're fussing with a, dis- with an, uh, a distraction, an addiction, a craving, they do not consider the spiritual options here, the spiritual answers, the spiritual uh, element of what's really going on. They just think they want something. They don't take it any deeper to look at this as a spiritual force here that is causing me to uh want something or uh, demand something and then of course we put all our focus and effort towards that thing
1: well you hear a lot of advertising that's that says take control of right, your health right. take control of your finances you know take control of your life and so you, you get into and we'll probably talk about this a little bit later but all these uh, self-help uh, books and methods plans mm-hmm. that sort of thing well, but control yeah. You know, there's there's such a thing as self-discipline and self-control, but there's a point where you kind of cross over the line where it it becomes witchcraft. Right. Where you're trying to you're controlling everything. You're you're and we hear people referred to as controllers
0: or control freaks. Yeah. Well, you know, we we're so fearful, and when people are fearful, they will try to control things. That is their response. That's the torture rack response. You're afraid. Uh, people who, are, who practice witchcraft are afraid they have to control things, um, manipulate uh, you know cast spells on people, whatever to get them to do what they want because really bottom line is you 're afraid so we 're kind of stuck in um, a miserable place of trying to control what we can 't control, trying to take authority over what we don 't have authority over and trying to, and, try, and being responsible or taking responsible or feeling responsible for things we have no power or authority over so we 're really trapped in the devil 's philosophy, the world's philosophy, and that is this, that um, Satan says, you enter into the world and you're beginning to be taught uh, through all kinds of circumstances and counsel and situations that I am what I do. I am a doing. God says we're a being. So the, the basic core problem begins at that level of doing versus being. So we're trapped in doing to be. We 're trying to do something so we can be something we're trying to get our act together, get control, uh, make a good impression, get people to love us, um, do it right, make good choices so that we can we can uh, be good or be okay and a lot of times the world says, well you've got to do something to have something to be something, so you've got to go to work, get a good job, go to ed- get educated higher education." Uh, so you can have a higher paying job, so you and more money so you can buy something so that you can be something. So if I can buy something and be, buy a new house, a new car, new this and that, then I am I'm I'm OK. I'm good. I'm safe. I am something. So he bases our value and our worth on our ability to do and perform and and, and produce. But God says that it's out of being and abiding comes the doing. So the, it's, it's a total reverse of what the, the devil says. And this sets us up on that torture rack kind of frantic Um, striving. Uh, So God would say, rest. It's okay. I'm the vine. You're the branch. Abide in me. Hang with me. Uh, Hang in there. And out of our relationship will come the fruits of of righteousness, peace, and joy. And you'll be doing the good things you want to do. But Satan puts us on what what I call a torture rack. Of You know, you got to do to be. So he's got us on the one side trying harder. On the other side, uh, trying harder to stop. On the other side i can't quit it's it's not working. trying to manage my life, my feelings, my emotions, other people's emotions, the behaviors the other people's behaviors um, of those around us you know so to our image of who we are becomes based on what other people say about us, um how well I'm doing um, on my on, uh, if other people are accepting me, if they like me, this is a very volatile and fickle uh base of of popularity, to put your life, your value based on other people's opinions of you, because that is just like basing your life on the wind. It's going to change. It's going to go away. It's going to vaporize. uh,
1: Jesus said that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. You know, so, you know, like you said, we, you know, through materialism, through uh, impressing others to please others, Mm -hmm. uh, status, all that stuff. So we've got this identity issue, mm-hmm. but we, we have to come to a place of recognizing what is our true identity?
0: That what, becomes what, the question. That
1: yeah. becomes what is our true identity? Is it based on the the fickle opinions of people? Is it based on what we have uh, materially or what we look like? Uh,
0: that's what people get all consumed with, and that's why I wrote the book Cravings, because We have focused on totally what the devil wanted us to focus on and missed the point of everything that Jesus has to say about the kingdom of God coming and being part of that kingdom ambassadors uh, for uh, him on this earth. But so we go back to the, the, the torture rack. And I think people need to understand that you are on the torture rack. And this is kind of like what creates the perpetual motion that keeps our life going in this vicious circle. It's like a treadmill or, you know, you just back and forth and back and forth. Um, For example, I've got to, I've got to do something, whatever, fill in the blank. I've got to do it. I've got to, uh, but I can't, I've got to quit. I've got to change, be good, like I said, but I fail. And so it kind of goes back to condemnation and feeling guilty. And the the thoughts that begin to come into our souls and our minds are, um, I need more willpower. I don't have enough willpower. I don't have enough self-control. That's those thoughts come into your soul, into your mind, will, and emotions, which basically bring condemnation. And so um, I'm being undermined by my very desire to be free, to be to be walking the fullness of peace and rest and and victory and, you know, goodness. The devil is actually using my desires for those very things to undermine me and to make me begin to believe through the failure I see, through the striving, through the futility, that I am bad, I'm weak, I'm irresponsible, and I'm ashamed. And so this is what we get caught in, along with all the other spiritual Uh, pressure we feel to be right. And I think this is, you know, I want to be good. I want to be right. Um, But here's the problem with that, being right. People think I have to do it right to be all right. I have to be perfect. I have to perform. And many of you are caught there and you've just, your whole life is a vicious circle and it's never enough because perfection always raises the bar. And this is kind of like any striving, anything Satan can get you to strive to do is the exact opposite of what jesus said he did not say to strive about anything he said rest peace abide follow be um receive uh is striving is you know uh he said don't even strive about disputing about my word he says it just brings problems and so go ahead you-
1: what i was going to say about you know performance so, so many times that you know we have to be the best we think we have to be the best and it seems like, you know, no matter how good you are at something, you can always find somebody that's doing it better than you are.
0: Obviously. And then,
1: then where the do you record
0: st- gets broken, you know. Yeah.
1: Then, then where do you stand?
0: Well, again, so it what- goes back to upset with yourself, futile. And then that really makes your life all about you, all about me, all about how I look, how I feel. And we really, how do I feel? How do you feel? This is a common greeting. Well, how's it going? How do you feel? You know what's gonna, and you know what? It's not about how you feel. It's not about what you think about yourself. It's about what God says. And if we get distracted by our feelings and by our thoughts about ourselves, we are living and operating out of the soul, which has been programmed by the evil one to cause us to believe lies and act in lies. So in the book Craving, um, you know, we talk about uh, the very first commandments and and how that Satan. It, it's really based on the understanding of spiritual warfare. Um, I've worked in treatment programs, um, secular and Christian based, and I've done a lot of counseling in my life. And I, so I kind of see the programs that are out there and I'm jumping ahead of myself, but we'll get back to that in a minute. But, so there's a lot of elements of those programs that really just reinforce the vicious circle of try harder, never enough, you fail, it's your fault, da da da. So, but it, people, so guilt becomes a huge motivator. People don't like to feel guilty. They don't like to feel like they're doing it wrong. Um, And but it's also a clever, clever uh, device, um, the devastation to 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 feel it make us feel cut off, foolish, stupid, ignorant, ashamed, whatever that is behind the devil's vicious circle to keep us striving, to keep us trying. And going back to that thing about guilt, you know, we're also on the other side of that torture rack is like I started to say, we have to be right. I have to do it right to be all right. And so we tenaciously hold on to our traditions and our beliefs, um, our opinions, because we are making the assumption, not only that we have to be right, but that we are right. And our, our validity for concluding that we're right is based on the fact that those are our opinions and we couldn't possibly be wrong. And so we get into a lot of conflict with other people who don't see it quite the way we do. And so then we, if we have the superior position over them, like a parent, we enforce our wrong uh, ideas, uh, our authority, our um, our standards on them. And this becomes an unrighteous act. And it, ultimately, it breaks the law of love because offense, um, intimidation, um, teaching others, um, forcing them to do things and not being open yourself to being taught, teachable, meek, um, learning, submitting, uh, repentant. If you're practicing, you're, you're supposed righteousness without having the, uh, the fruits of righteousness, peace, and joy, you're actually deceiving yourself. So here's the other part of that problem. People hold on to their stubbornly, fearfully needing to control. They hold on to their, their idea that they're right because they're afraid of being wrong. And this goes back to being made in the image of God. If we love, we love righteousness, so we, we really want righteousness, but the devil has told us the way to be righteous is to be perfect and to be right. So we go like, it goes like this. If I'm not right, I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm not right. If I'm not right, I'm not righteous. And, and, and so we can't give up our position, our opinion, our stubborn holding on to our ways because we believe we're going to lose our righteousness. But we need to understand, you guys, your righteousness does not come from you being right or wrong. It comes from Jesus Christ, who is my righteousness. And, and he is the one who uh, supplies that righteousness and gives us the grace to live in a very unrighteous world and not become pulled in and sucked into it. But you have another question.
1: Well, there's this idea of determination. You know, I'm determined to do something. And, I, and I'm trying to do something. I mean, I've heard, mm-hmm. you know, so many Christian, teachers, pastors talk about, let's try to do this, try to do that. Jesus never said, try to heal the sick, try to preach the gospel, uh, try to heal the sick, try to raise the, he said, just do it. Mm -hmm. So, so there's this whole idea of fruitfulness. I I really believe that God has not called us to be lazy. He's called us to be productive Mm -hmm. in the kingdom of God. Right. So there's a, you know, and, and Paul, you read the Apostle Paul, other, you know, Peter, they, they were very intense. They were like, I guess you would call them, what, high achievers?
0: Yeah, maybe. yeah,
1: super achievers, really high motivated.
0: I think a lot of people who are born in religious, very strict religious concerns, constraints are not only high achievers, but they're also very um, uh, neurotic. I think there's a lot of Christian, Christian neurosis out there, fear of doing something wrong or fear of being seen as doing something wrong. And so we hide all of the things that we need to be confessing. We can, we're supposed to confess our sins, but instead we hide them because we're afraid we'll be judged by others and be seen as a neurotic. When indeed Jesus says, come unto me, you know, confess your fear faults, confess your sins one to another. And so because of the high pressure that's on us to look good and be, you know, be, uh, Whatever, perform, be perfect. We just, we do the opposite of confessing and, and humbling ourselves and admitting we're wrong because I can't admit I'm wrong because I've got to be right. And we don't want people to see us as, so we just miss the whole, the whole door, the open door of freedom in confessing and repenting by denying we have any problems or hiding them.
1: So you have to look at what is the motivation for our striving. Yeah. You know, even as Christians in the kingdom of God. Is it to make ourselves look good? Is it to get the praises of men and say, oh, what a wonderful believer that they are? Uh, Or what is the difference here between pressing, aggressiveness, uh, that I I really believe that many people have, and it's a good thing, but, but it cannot be just in our own human energy. It has to be motivated by the Holy Spirit. So what would you say is the difference between uh, the results that come from striving you know uh, workaholism uh
0: Trying highly hard.
1: motivated mm-hmm. super achiever types type a personalities and and the difference between that and and abiding in christ sometimes we think abiding in christ means we're just hanging out you Be know like. we're just we're just oh we're just kind of like woo-woo and all that land yeah uh, but you know, but that's that's really where the, the fruitfulness comes from abiding in Christ. So, can you talk a little bit about that distinction, if there is a distinction there, between that that striving that we have we can do humanly and, and uh, determination and yes. um, simply abiding in Christ? Well, of course, of
0: this is the bottom line. The bottom line is understanding spiritual warfare. Really, it goes back to that. It goes back to the basics. Always go back to the first, the original statements, the original places, premises, uh, ways that this world and our lives were set up. And so it's not set up to create uh, this world. will cannot bring forth the fruit of righteousness because it's founded on unrighteousness. It's It's founded on deceit and the devil. So when you're looking to perfect that which concerns you yourself, you're actually going contrary to the word of God. So what we need to understand is this is really not about my righteousness. This is about me accepting Jesus Christ and then his Holy spirit working in me to bring forth the rest- restoration of righteousness, truth and joy because we're made originally in the image of God. And that has been what has been obscured by our, our um, journey through life, our journey. We are thrown into the snake pit of life and there the enemy, the God of this world begins to program us. And I think, we need to really understand the concepts here between uh, the difference between salvation and sanctification and continuing to sin even after we're saved. And then the question is, can I lose my salvation, which becomes a big problem for a lot of people. Um, But let's look at it this way. What Paul says in Romans six, he says um, in Romans six, he takes a long time to explain to us how we're saved. We're saved because we're we're joined with Christ in, in the crucifixion, the resurrection we died with Christ we're raised with him we accept his death in our place as a substitute for ours and we uh, you know have our joint become joint heirs with him in that life in that um in that deliverance and we're saved we're set free from the constraints of this world because we have accepted the Lord so he says now don't yield your members any longer as instruments of unrighteousness but yield yourselves unto God um and in in uh, Romans uh, 612 in the amplified it says that he kind of puts it in a nutshell but amplified kind of brings it out again he says let not sin rule as king in your short mortal mortal short-lived perishable body to make you obey it in its lusts evil passions and cravings so he's saying don't let sin continue to rule you in you don't yield your members Uh, This is where cravings come in. This is where control. Don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness that your members would be like your, your eyes, your hands, your, your will, any part of you. Don't give it over to the lie. Don't give it over uh, versus just as you were, as you presented yourselves members as slaves, unrighteousness, uncleanness, and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. This is verse 19. So he wants us to know that there is an act here, a choice we make to follow Jesus, to yield our memories, to say no to the lie. But it's pretty hard to say no to the lie if you don't recognize the lie or if you still think the lie is the truth, just because it's in your feelings, it's in your thought. And this is where the problem begins. So in Romans 7, Paul says um, he's a believer, obviously, he's writing the book of Romans, he loves Jesus. And he's saying, he says, but, he says in Romans fourteen fifteen, but I'm still doing the things I don't want to do. Now, we know he's saved because he already told us about salvation, accepting Jesus, um, baptized with him into his death, etc. But in, in Romans 7, he says, but I'm still doing the things I don't want to do. He says the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. And then he, he reemphasizes it by saying the things I hate, I perform, and the things I perform, I hate. And so he's saying, um, he says, then he says, it is the sin that dwells in me. So you see, even after we're saved, there's this element of sin. Um, sin is the fruit of the lie. So the lie must still also be there because I'm still sinning. I'm still doing things I don't want to do, like Paul is saying. And it's, it's very frustrating. This becomes the cravings. This becomes the torture rack. This becomes where we try to harder to do what we can't stop because we're you know, stuck on this, um, this wrong concept uh, or don't understand that I not only needed to die to the things of this world to follow Jesus, that was where salvation came. Born again, I died to what I was, what I had, where I was going, who, who I belonged to. I I I changed my citizenship from Earth to Heaven, and so that's salvation. The second part is um, walking out that salvation, which we call sanctification, which we call obedience. And so um, here's where we find that I'm still doing things I don't want to do. Then we have to look at what Paul says. How did that happen? He says, um, with my inward man, I agree with the law of God that it is good. So we have his understanding as he's looking way, way back to his final, his first origin is a his beginning spot that he was made in the image of God. And because he's made by God he will also be made to love what God loves and hate what God loves. God loves righteousness and holiness and peace and purity and truth and mercy and justice. And he hates sin and he hates injustice. The two things God hates, also we hate. We get angry when things aren't fair and we feel guilty when we sin. And so, but, so he, he recognizes that, but he also see in the middle of this, recognizing the truth, he also realizes that he's doing things he doesn't want to do. And so he says, oh, miserable man that I am. He says, um, you know, who will deliver me from this body of death? And it's interesting, he calls it a body of death. And because we have different languages and words today, we could almost say, who will deliver me from this demonic body of death, body of sin, this programming that operates in my life. And as beings, we have three parts. So this part of this operating software or system has been downloaded into our souls. The soul is the the decision-making uh, apparatus. It's where we, we think, we feel, we make decisions, we um, decide, make choices. And so as we're beginning to um, learn from the snake pit, the things that we need to do we and the things we fail to do and bad things are happening to us, we're feeling bad and ashamed, violated and angry and frustrated. We're on one side of the torture rack being set up to be vulnerable, uh, fearful, fearful. Um, lonely, apprehensive. So then we're starting to do the things we're vulnerable because we need love. We need uh, fellowship. We need meaning. We need purpose. We need love, uh, food. And so we're beginning to be set up. Satan's creating a vacuum in us of emptiness, loneliness, fear. And so at, with that, he's going to start to set up also the solutions he's going to bring to the problems. And this, this creates the torture act. So on the one t- side of the torture rack, I'm afraid, I'm alone, I'm empty. Uh, for example, emptiness is a, a very compelling vacuum for eating food, especially sweet food, um, sugary food, um, you know, cookies. A lot of times we're, we're uh, programmed, psychologically conditioned in our childhood. Uh, just, just talking to a guy a couple of days ago where, you know, and this is common. Where they're alone, they're little, they're afraid, they're on their own, their parents are busy, and they find their food, their cookies uh, to be their place of comfort, to be a place where they can count on this thing, giving them a sweet feeling, a full full feeling, a secure feeling. So we begin to rewrite the equation from the the true right equation is food equals nourishment to um, sweets, food, cookies, whatever, equals um, comfort. Yeah, exactly.
1: Comfort. We so comfort. instead
0: of it being nourishment, it's being comfort. And now we're vulnerable to seeking more and more comfort.
1: You mentioned about an inner void, a vacuum that, that all human beings have, even though we're created in the likeness and image of God. Mm-hmm. There's a deep longing with us, within us to get reconnected, to really get in aware uh, and have communication with, we could call yeah, it fellowship, fellowship with, yeah. our creator. You know, Solomon wrestled with all these kind of issues of cravings. Mm-hmm. In fact, he he in the book of Ecclesiastes we read recorded there that he he tried everything. I mean, he 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 just kind of let himself go. He says, "I'm going to try this and this and this and food and money and women and, yeah, he, yeah. and fame and power." An
0: experiment, huh?
1: He he did a mm-hmm. great experiment, and one of the things he concluded on to, uh, concluded early on. Uh, and he had all this music, the finest music in the land. The finest bands for his entertainment, day, day, you know, in the evening. Uh, Ecclesiastes one eight: All things are full of labor; man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear with hearing. And then he says in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter six, verse seven: All the labor of man is for his mouth; <laughs> yet the soul is not satisfied. So, if if we if we're if we're eating cookies to try to satisfy, a, 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 to fill a void, a spiritual void within us, that's not going to work. We will not be satisfied. Right. In that.
0: Well, it's like it's like a, th- that's his whole his whole deal is to create a vacuum, c- create a problem, and then um, give us a solution to the problem. Of course, because we're desperate, and that solution is not really what we need. Um, in, the, in, the, in the world, we call this the Hegelian dialect. It's where there's a problem created. It can be, um, uh, it's really always something Satan sets up to create a problem. And then he, he, he gives us a solution to the problem, or he or gives us a solution that becomes another problem. And so now he has to step in with the control. He's able to control us. And he does this through politics, he does this through our own personal lives and our relationships. He uses our motivation, you know, our our emptiness, or our desire to be full, or our desire to be known or loved, um, to set us up. uh, It's like the hungry little fish. He he, he uses the fish's natural hunger cycle. Fish is going to be hungry for lunch or breakfast in the morning. So he uses that natural cycle that we have to set the fish up to be drawn into the hook. And the fisherman, the deceiver, the devil, who would represent the fisherman sets the hook with bait, which looks like lunch to the fish. As he knows exactly, studies the fish, he knows exactly what the fish is hungry for. And so um, he sets that hook deliberately, and then the fish makes a choice, and the fish becomes lunch when in all he was doing was just simply looking for lunch. And I think James, uh, you uh, would look up that scripture, James um, 1 13 and 14 really addresses this issue very clearly. Yeah, I'm going to read it,
1: I'm going to read it from the uh, Amplified Bible. Here. Okay, this 13 very, and 14. Yeah, uh, he talks about... The,
0: the sources of our temptation. The
1: sources of our temptation. And it says and it's not God. No. You know, it, God's not a source of temptation to evil. Uh, James 1, um, 13 through 16 in the Amplified Bible, let no one say when he is tempted... I am tempted from God, for God is incapable of being tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. But every person is tempted when he is drawn away, enticed, and baited
0: Mm,
1: by his own, that's like the hook you were talking about for the fish, Mm -hmm. baited by what? His own evil desire or his cravings, lusts, or passions, then the evil desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it's fully matured brings forth death do not be misled my beloved brethren so there's a point where natural it? desire for mm-hmm. food for for well, re- good relationships and everything there's a point where that natural desire kind of crosses the line and we get into inordinate desires. Or it evil gets, desires, it gets, yeah. It gets to be evil, like it's talking about here in James.
0: Well, in uh, the New King James, it doesn't say evil desires. It says by his own desires and enticed. And so what we're seeing here is that we have legitimate needs. Uh, we have legitimate needs for food and love and warmth and relationships and all kinds of things. We have legitimate needs, like you said. Uh, but but when Satan puts pressure on that and that need is not being met in a proper way, in a healthy, God-given, God-ordained way, then it can create a vacuum. And that vacuum then pulls other evil things in to fill it, uh, or it, it changes the natural use um, to an, like, for example, the natural use of, of a cookie, a chocolate chip cookie, is just simply as maybe a little bit of a cherry on top or a little bit of sugar. It's supposed to be food, but we now use it as our. Uh, reward system or we use it as a it's not going to it's not doing well to nourish you it's not going to be a good nourishment system to eat all the sugary things and and junk food but we because of a vacuum because of a we have an, an inordinate desire or a evil desire we have a righteous true legitimate desire for food satan uses our righteous true legitimate desires he puts pressure on them intimidates us and then sets up a false solution that then brings us into bondage.
1: Exactly. That's exactly how he, he sets it up.
0: And he sets, and, and with all of that comes programming. I'm programmed to believe through the things I've experienced that the lie is the truth, that the lie is reality. And reality and experience always seem to trump truth in the life of a, of a one who's believing lies.
1: So the enemy has programmed us, through, through, what we've through lies through our experience yeah. and and mm-hmm. through we get programmed by the influences of the world, and the others, media and so forth and so this process got, got is, is mm-hmm. yeah the process of sanctification then part of that is deprogramming from the, the lies of the enemy okay mm-hmm. recognizing them as lies, rejecting those and then being reprogrammed by the truth. Right. By recognizing that we have a, a new identity, for example, what is our new identity? What's our true identity?
0: Well, that's becomes not the question. That it's really not. Becomes, yeah. Right.
1: It's not because somebody thinks we're nice, or somebody thinks we're terrible, or we think we're ugly, or we think we're beautiful, or, or whatever. But it's there's not about a whole, us, right? yeah, a whole
0: uh, new identity. So well, interesting uh, enough though that when we are in pain, when we are hungry. When we are feeling dissatisfied, um, uh, it creates the pain, the lack, the desperation creates in us a sense of who we are and it intensifies the pursuit of thing, whatever it is to fill that vacuum. So we become even more desperate um, in our pursuit because we believe I am my feelings. I am what I'm experiencing and that's not what you are. That is a manipulation of the enemy to get you to feel or think or become desperate to agree with the solution of the enemy. And the Bible says in James, if we come into agreement with the devil's solutions, uh, when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. So when my desire or my need, let's just say I'm, I'm hungry, uh, takes the solution, uh, which is sinful to steal a piece of bread and, you know, eat it, whatever. Um, uh, my hunger, my, the vacuum is creating a decision, a choice to take a solution that is illegal, stealing from someone else, for example. Um, and when those two come together, they bring forth sin. And sin, once fully grown, brings forth death. So using the devil's solutions, like, for example, in addictions, we're using the temporary false comforts of alcohol or substances or meth or food or gambling or shopping, anything to temporarily take away the emptiness or the pain that when you do that, it's going to bring forth sin and death ultimately because it's not, it's not what God is designed for. It's, it's like trying to take care of yourself. It's try, instead of casting all our care upon him and, and seeking God to fulfill and supply our needs for meaning and purpose and love and direction, we, we do it ourselves. We look to other people.
1: Right. And the more we accept Satan's false solutions, the more we become under his control. Right. So, but what is the key, Margie, to uh, being reprogrammed? How are we reprogrammed? You know, Romans 12. Well,
0: first of all, what? we have to recognize we were programmed by Satan, and that not every thought you think you thought are thoughts you thought. Not every feeling you have is from you. There is a whole set of contrary, uh, deceptive feelings and thoughts, a whole set of programs that operate inside of us uh, that are rooted in fear or lack uh, or striving that promote in us that sense of trying and and we get very attached to our feelings and most of the feelings you're having if you look closely they're not even yours you get very attached to the pain that you think is yours and it's a spirit it has no right to be in you if you're a christian and you don't think of rebuking it or cutting it off or saying that's enough get out of here because he says no 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 i have a right to be here number one because you never sent me away and number two because you're guilty and if we agree with guilt and hold on to guilt and realize and think that i've got to suffer for my own righteousness when jesus christ paid the price for us and we have to accept that instead when i'm insisting upon paying for my own bearing my own cross paying for my own penalties for sin blah 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 and and, and achieving somehow my own righteousness i have just just uh, cast out the righteousness of jesus christ and, and you're all
1: and you're talking so often marjorie about the importance of testing our thoughts. A lot of people just let their thoughts just run and they kind of go with their thoughts, go with their feelings, you know, go with their opinions and so forth without really testing the thought, each thought, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So there's a standard by which, you know, there's two sources, two spiritual sources, Satan or God. Mm -hmm. And so there's, and there's a standard uh, called the Word of God that we need to examine every thought within the light now is this true we We believe that the bible is god's inspired you know infallible Word of God, so that is the standard for all of our thinking our approach our identity our our whole uh, our whole being is 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 wrapped up in the, the word of God and the expression that God has if His desire for us to uh, to follow Him
0: well you know the thing is what Paul says in Romans seven twenty he says and this has to do with cravings doing what you don't want to do why do I do what I don't want to do he says if I am doing what I don't want to do it is not me doing it it is the sin that dwells in me now this is not what we say in we're in the light in life in the world we say take responsibility. It's your fault. You need to own it. You need to address it. You need to deal with it. So, but Paul says again, Romans seven twenty. if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. It is the sin that dwells within me. Now, a lot of times what we do when we, um, uh, doing the things we don't want to do, we deny that we're doing anything wrong and we deny that we need help. And this is called denial. There's nothing wrong. Um, Trying to tell ourselves that we're okay, we're happy, we like what we're doing, uh, we don't have a problem. Uh, It's somebody else's problem, uh, not my problem. So we're denying that we have a problem. That's one of the ways we address doing what we don't want to do. We're saying, "I don't have a problem. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not. I'm not addicted. Blah blah blah. I'm not using meth. Da da da. I don't have a problem with spending too much money. You know, we deny it. So the second. So, but Paul says, if I am doing what I don't want to do, at least here the person is is accepting the fact that they're doing what they don't want to do. And then let's look at the problem. If I'm not wanting, if my will is not with it, if it, my will is not being in consent with what's going on, if I'm being forced or coerced or intimidated or, you know, manipulated by the circumstances that Satan has set up with the torture rack or the Hegelian dialect, I'm being forced to make a choice, do something, uh, you know, intimidated to because I'm believing a lie. The lie is that I don't believe God will help me. I've got to find another solution. So we steal the loaf of bread to, create, to satisfy the hunger, of uh, starvation or whatever. And, and so if we believe I, God isn't there, then I take the solution that comes to my mind, which is basically it's up to me. I've got to do it myself. But behind that is the devil causing me to go into a place of rebellion. And, and self-reliance and then we go into the place of doing what we don't want to do but because we did it we feel responsible because we did it and so now if the devil can get you to feel responsible then he can get you to also take on the guilt because it was my fault because I should have and I could have and I didn't and now I'm guilty for not taking responsibility but notice that in Romans 7 20 he's actually saying contrary he's saying the opposite of taking responsibility. And I think all treatment programs and the reason they, they fail and they do fail most for the most part. The only reason anybody ever gets free from using anything, I don't care what their addiction is or drug of choice. The only way there's only one way they ever get free. And that is through a revelation of the truth. Uh, God, they don't have to be a Christian to get a revelation of truth. Truth is truth. God can give them a revelation. Maybe the revelation is simply, man, I don't need this or uh, this isn't who I am or, uh, you know, whatever the revelation is, it, it's, it hits them as truth and it is the truth and it bring, brings them into a deliverance, even though they may not recognize it. So all deliverances are based on coming into the revelation, first of all, of the truth and the exposing of the lie. But when you go into treatment, this Romans seven twenty is totally ignored. It's, it's like, okay, so now you've got to take responsibility you got to work the program. you got to stay sober. If you're on your diet, you've got to join Weight Watchers or something and be accountable. And, you know, if you mess up, then you got to start over. And uh, it's just there's just it's a very frustrating uh, it, it's self-effort thing that's doomed to fail.
1: Yeah, the revelation is, is very important. You just realize and that's how people really come to Christ, realize their need for knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there's a revelation that has to come. And the same way, too, like, you know, I don't need this anymore. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't have to do this anymore. What am I doing? You know, there's that awakening, that revelation. And then along with that, Marjorie, there's the uh, crying out to the Lord or however it works. It's the power of God that brings deliverance. Mm-hmm. It brings freedom, and it takes it takes it's the, the pow- it, it takes the power of God. It takes more than a a good choice
0: or or willpower or
1: willpower or self control, self effort, or, willpower or, or, or yeah. you know, the mm-hmm. determination. Yeah, i uh, i i a lot of times I'll say it's a combination of our will and His power. You know, well, we, we
0: yield our will to his We power yield our, and we our say, will to I him. We say, I can of my own self do nothing, so God help me, deliver me, have mercy upon me, set me free, get rid of this demon. And really, it's kind of just that that's the process. God have mercy, God do. Because Paul says right here, he says, after he says all that, he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Who will deliver me from the this need body the, of death?
1: Right, the need the for deliverance. Health. It's a matter of deliverance. And it's crying out for it admitting if it. Somebody's yes. got to do it. I can't do it myself. I've tried, yes. I'm I on a tried. torture rack.
0: People are so used to living on their torture racks, they don't want to do. Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to give you grace to live on the torture rack. He says, what are you doing on the torture rack? I set you free. I finished this work. I paid the price. You don't have to be on that treadmill of hell anymore, striving and trying and failing and trying harder, and I got to quit what I can't stop, and I can't stop what I got to quit. He, that's not his plan for our life that's a that's a that's a distraction your real plan for your life God's plan for your life is to follow him and make disciples go preach the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ
1: and you said uh, earlier Marjorie about uh, Romans chapter 6 about yielding our faculties parts of our body our minds our ears our voices to God, mm-hmm. to, to God and so forth and what really kind of summarizes this in a, in a and extends that is Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I want to read that from the Amplified Bible today. Uh, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, Which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship?
0: Mm -hmm. That's it. It's 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 reasonable,
1: right? And it says, verse two: Do not be conformed to this world, this age. Mm -hmm. And and it's interesting. I think there's one sort of a paraphrase version that says, don't let the world conform you, uh, pour you into its mold. Mm -hmm. You know, like jello is conformed to the shape of the mold. But he says, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its, its external, superficial customs, But be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals mm-hmm. and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you is this is this is, it's, this it's is the choice
0: we want to make this transformation is, yeah this is where we come back into holiness and so if the devil can keep us on the torture rack of responsibility as a matter of fact that's chapter eight in this book cravings why do I do what I don't want to do it's really an excellent book because it it talks about the first half is about the spiritual uh, parameters uh, the paradigm that we're really in in terms of trying to quit what we can't stop whether it 's food or alcohol or whatever it is and the second half of the book talks about the failure approaching it from this responsibility works oriented keep the walk the you know work your program blah 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 that doesn't work because there's so many other factors involved in in addictions um that we that we um uh like even for example your 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 frequencies your vibrations your uh, chemical levels your uh, all of these your your dna all of these things have to do with uh you know how vulnerable we actually are individually to the various um, uh, pressures of the addiction of, of an addiction or of a, of a lack or of a, of a, a chemical or a, pr- a predisposition And all of these. And there's no way that you can manage your, your frequencies, uh, your vibrations, uh, your chemicals, the, the, the amount of, you know, in our body, there's a lot of involuntary things that go on. They're just that your heart beats and you don't have to give it permission. It just does it. There's a lot of things in there that we don't manage, Um, and and, and having to do with deliverance and freedom from uh, cravings or vulnerabilities or depletions of our systems, all of these things are not something you can manage with willpower. And so that's why we need a, a sovereign, holy deliverance. And what God really does is he brings peace and balance and restoration back to even our physical systems because all of our systems in our body are based on justice. And when things are being deprived or depleted, or stripped from one place to put in another or we're not feeding our, ourselves properly or we're giving ourselves too much sugar or we're using the sugar to try to bolster our energy when it's really depleting our energy. You know how it is you eat, you eat a bunch of sugar and you get high for a few minutes and you feel energy for a few minutes and boom, then you totally crash. This is not the way to fix the problem. So what Paul is saying, he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I really believe this this whole scenario of cravings is has to be addressed. These evil cravings, lusts, passions, evil cravings, spirits, uh, the the demonic spirit who sets up the the, the the treacherous torture rack, the vulnerabilities, the vacuums, all of this stuff is game playing. Satan is using, he's playing in your body. And so the only one who can address that is God. When God says, then he says, Paul says, he doesn't say, well, I need to take responsibility. And God didn't say, erase that verse, you know, because then they won't take responsibility. God doesn't use the word responsibility. This is our program's. our our treatment programs and stuff are built and based on personal responsibility. And that is the problem. It's not about responsibility, my responsibility, taking responsibility. It's about crying out to God and saying, oh, wretched man that I am, Jesus have mercy on me. Who will deliver me? Then he answers his own question, who will deliver me? He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, so that there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So he's saying that the the freedom from condemnation and guilt and shame and failure comes from knowing number one that I'm saved, and number two that I'm not using my old soul software program by hell to make a decision, but I'm using and walking in the Spirit of God. Now, walking in the Spirit of God is a process. And I'm not going to, it's not done yet. I, I, There's still things in me that I can look at and find fault with and say, well, I wish I were better at that. And I don't like that. But God's working in me both the will and to do of his good pleasure. And he's okay with the speed at, with which he's doing this. This isn't giving me any kind of excuses. We're not looking for excuses here. We're looking for Opportunities to give this thing over to God. And say, Lord, have mercy on me. Show me the lie I'm believing that's a cause, that's causing me to do much to to spend too much money to um, to gamble to you know be uh, addicted sexually uh, uh, to exploit other human beings to uh, ruin my own body using too many chemicals. What is the lie I am believing? That's what we really need to begin to, to do. And you don't need a treatment program to do that. Obviously, some people are so far into the use of a chemical that they need some medical intervention to pull them back from the brink, detox them, um, because what's happened is they are addicted. And addiction is something where you, you have to use more to get the same effect. And when you stop using it, you would going to withdraw. So those two reasons are kind of the definition of an addiction, especially to a chemical. So you've got to use more to get the same effect, more and more and more. You can drink more, and it doesn't do anything. And You you can hold your liquor, whatever. You have to drink more. So really you're thinking, well, I I don't have a problem. Look at how much I can drink. No, you're just – you. what's happening is the effect of the chemical is decreasing, and so you're having to use more of it. So you're getting more and more poisons poured into your liver to detoxify just to get the same effect. And then if you quit using – if you stop believing the lie, I like it and I don't I don't have to quit because I don't have a problem. If you start realizing you want to quit and get rid of this thing, then you're going to start to go into withdrawal. At that point, you may need a medical intervention, someone to help you get through detoxing. That's what they call that, to get all those excess poisons out of you. So we have, you know, you're bound. If you're in an addiction, in a craving, if you're set up in a lie to believe that somehow if I master this, I will be good, you've bought into the lie because my goodness does not come from mastering anything. It comes from submitting to Jesus Christ and letting his spirit work within me.
1: Well, that's, it's called repentance. Really? It's a changing of your mind. And, and part of that is, is exposure to the truth, right? You have to, one of the things that, and I already say you have to, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you uh, get to, you get to Mm -hmm. expose yourself to the truth. We have the, the truth scriptures. is our friend. We have the scriptures, and taking the scriptures in context, uh, rightly dividing the word of truth, applying them properly, that is the key the, to our, the our sanctification.
0: Rightly dividing the word of God in truth. However, we allow other people to do that for us. And well, that's where the problem comes, because we have preachers, we have pastors, we have circumstances, situations, priests, whatever, who divide that word for you, and they and you believe them. You need to stop listening to them first. You listen to the Lord first, the Holy Spirit first. You let the Holy Spirit rightly divide you. His goal for you is peace and, and prosperity and blessing. His goal is not to crush you and condemn you and make you feel more guilty because you broke a church law or a church commandment that doesn't even have anything to do with God's law. And God, Jesus delivers from the spirit of the law. Say, you know, we should do a quick commercial. I think that would be helpful right now. We're kind of at the end of this, but on cravings. And then we'll get right back to you.
1: I want it, and I want it now. Chocolate, a juicy burger with everything, a turtle brownie latte overload, a cold beer, that guy over there, that lady at the counter. Cravings, intense desires that demand satisfaction often rule our lives. Our cravings have formed habits we can't break even though they are breaking us. The more we try to take control of our lives, the more out of control our lives become. And we end up doing more and more of what we really don't want to do. In Marjorie Cole's Cravings Manual or CD, you will find rock-solid answers to your dilemma. No more crazy diets, guilt, denial, white-knuckling, or endless frustration. Just a release of truth from the book of Romans that will set you on the path to freedom you never thought you'd have. To receive your copy or CD of Cravings, just go to www.liferecovery.com. That's www.liferecovery.com. Well, of course I want to recommend that you get that because dig this in for yourself. This is not a self-help book. Cravings. This, this Cravings yeah. because it's pointing you to the Word of God. It's pointing you to Jesus. It's give, helping you get some insight as to how you can find freedom. We have it available for you at the Life Recovery uh, website, liferecovery.com. Mm-hmm. We have the the book. We have the manual
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, also. And the manual, what's the difference between the book and the manual?
0: Well, in the manual, you can actually write your answers. And it, 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 what I really like about both the book and the manual, they're pretty much the same except the book uh, is a book and the manual is something you, like a study guide you can actually answer questions and ponder things and take it a little bit slower yeah,
1: that, that's good and then if you're driving along in your automobile
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh you've got the cravings uh, cd to yeah. listen to
0: yeah so. it's, it's all very good and interesting
1: so you can be set free on your way to work or your way home from work that's right a good
0: idea what else can we do on our way to work besides sit in the rush hour traffic and drive an hour one way but you know i really like the that when you put it in the a written format Um, You can ponder it, you can reread it, you can look at it again, you can meditate on it. And there's so much that we didn't say that has to do it. There's there's really a lot of hope. Uh, There's all hope. Everything is good, even if you're stuck in a cravings or on a torture rack of something. Because God is good. God is for you. This, This problem, the situation you're in is not the end. It's actually the beginning. It's the beginning of the opportunity to surrender, to give it up to Jesus and to let him be God in your life.
1: Matthew six thirty one and 33, it says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? All these things. All these things speak of cravings. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. They crave they Go after them. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. Okay? But here's the key. Verse 33. But seek f- first the kingdom of God. And His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So this is this is where this is, needs to be our number one craving mm-hmm. uh, is is to say, Lord, I want You, I want Your kingdom, I want Your righteousness, not my own. And then then all these other details, mm-hmm. legitimate needs mm-hmm. that we have,
0: mm-hmm. will
1: be taken care of right. as a matter of course.
0: Right. And you know, again, the book is divided into two parts. The first part has to do with um, the spiritual understanding the elements the basics Uh, even in the beginning god said to adam and eve this is the this is the food you're supposed to eat and we've so drifted away from that god's recommended food list that that's why when so much physical health issues crises but in the second half we talk about the you know how our body works and the spirit of cravings and and being reprogrammed so it's it's a really you can't take responsibility for things you don't have any authority or control over. But we do have the right to cast out, cast off the lie, the spirit, ask God to deliver us and walk in truth and freedom. And that's what sanctification is really all about. It's about being deprogrammed uh, from the ways of the world and being reset and reprogrammed according to righteousness, truth, and the Holy Spirit. So I'd, I'd just like to you know say thank you for listening today, but be sure that you If you have an issue here, and we all do in some way or another, we're being driven by something, that it would be very helpful to check this out.
1: Lord, thank you for those that are listening uh, today, those that have listened. We just pray that your freedom, your power, your grace will be abundant in their lives, that there be that revelation of Jesus Christ, there be that transformation, there be that freedom that you gave your life on the cross and rose again for us to have. We thank you for that. We pray that that power, that grace, and that love would be appropriated in the hearts and lives of every listener today and in the days to come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. I have an emergency. What is your location?
1: yourself.